0: One of my goals with the secret podcast is to make the supernatural more natural and the paranormal more normal. These are events and occurrences that happen as a part of our natural and normal everyday lives. We've just been conditioned to ignore them and deny their existence. Well, it's time to undo that conditioning. I'm proud to announce that Ray Davis and I of Sixth Sense Media have created our own Sixth Sense Media clothing line. We can't always go up to somebody and say, Hey, what do you think about disclosure and UFOs and aliens on the earth? You can wear one of our Disclosure Now T-shirts and get people's attention, start a conversation, or connect with another like-minded person who sees your shirt. If you're a truth seeker or someone looking to enact positive change in the world, why not wear it with pride? Connect with other like-minded truth seekers and become the change you want to be and see in this world. Visit SixSenseMedia.net, click on the store tab. And become the change you were born to inspire. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store. Welcome to Truth Seekers. Let me tell you why, tell you're, you're, here. why you're here. You're here because, you're here you, know because something. you know something. What you know what you, know can't, you know explain. can't explain. But you feel it, You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello friends, and welcome to the Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media. It's the show that challenges reality, questions that which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. Making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural, and that's exactly what I'm going to do in this episode of the Seeker Podcast. My apologies, my friends. I've been, I've been slacking. I've been all over the place, man, and uh, I feel bad about not being able to get the show out in a timely fashion over the last month, last two months. I've been, I've been having a tough time with uh, just life in general. It seems like I've been throwing a lot of. A lot of curveballs and uh, some paradigm shifts that I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about... I, I've been getting into scary stuff lately, friends, and I, I, but that's what's going on in my life. And, and that's the best way for me to communicate is, is what's relevant to me right now and what's relevant to, I think, all of us. So we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, what they're calling climate change. Um, some suspicious observers data that's very, very concerning it's going to be a great journey as we go down and explore these things i'm looking for your thoughts your advice your opinions your ideas on this um but the part of the reason i didn't do a show last week it was just because this stuff is weighing on me too heavily and maybe i got too sucked in i don't know you be the judge and let me know um i feel like i've lost it a little bit so uh, but i'm I'm here i'm I'm doing the show now. I've got some very relevant news stories, not to climate change stuff, but to uh, what we've been tracking traditionally if you've been with me for a while. Um, <clears throat> I'm still trying to figure things out like i said i, I i'm I want to talk about this uh, disaster stuff because it, it's it's really got my attention from some credible sources and um, I, I think that we need to be prepared. But what I'm weighing on, what, what's what's getting to me is that when we're focused on survival, we're not focused on spiritual evolution and growth. Maybe growth is a better term. So I'm really wrestling with a lot of that now. Where How do I dedicate my time? Because I'm responding to fear. And I know that we're not supposed to let fear rule our decisions. But Fear hit me pretty hard. I'm not going to lie. And on top of that, uh, not to give a sob story, but I'm going to give a sob story. My kids have been sick, man. It's kicking my ass. My youngest, I told you guys, my youngest was sick all of February. We were in and out of the hospital. <clears throat> and now all three of them just different colds and viruses keep popping up. And then in the last week, they've each had the throw up virus twice. Twice in the last like week and a half. Uh, so it's really jacked up our schedule. It's messed up my sleep schedule it's uh it's like psychological warfare here man being a parent it's it's a challenge so uh my apologies to all of you i'm just that's why i've been off my game um just a but there's a lot there's a lot going on so before i get into some of the climate change stuff that i think warrants our serious attention um let's let's do some news here uh and i first want to also direct you to uh Ray Davis of the Affirmation Spot, man, he's plugging along every single day. He's doing 365 days of affirmations. If you want a daily dose of positivity, follow him on Twitter. Follow him. He put him up on the Six Sense Media feeds on Facebook. Check us out at sixcentsmedia.net because he does a little blog up there every day as well. And uh, I think that's a, the exact energy and dose we need to counteract some of this negative stuff. Uh, it's wonderful what Ray is doing. I'm excited that he continues to... Push through, despite what's going on in the world. He's always got something positive, and he helps us to deal with the negative. And I'm thankful to call him a friend. Um, so he has a, an insightful article up at sensemedia.net. It's called "Russia Gate is Dead: How Did It Happen and What Are the Consequences?" I'm going to read from some of it. Uh, he says Russia Gate is finally and mercifully is dead. Now that it's dead, we should do a postmortem on this horrible two years in our history. The number one thing that we must understand, and this will be hard for many because they were so conditioned for two years, this was never about Donald Trump specifically. He was a target of opportunity that helped to sell a narrative of the military-industrial media complex intended to sell it anyway. You see, the real goal of the whole Russia Gate narrative was to generate a new Cold War with Russia. This has been in soft launch since long before Donald Trump ever decided to run for president. However, President Trump's election provided the perfect storm to help push this narrative forward. Uh, and him in his foreign policy from the get go. All right, I'm going to pause it there. I'm going to leave the links in the show notes for you. It, it's well worth your read. Uh, my thoughts mirror Ray's on this one. When I when I caught the headlines, at least for the Mueller report, that uh, they've, he found no evidence of collusion. And everybody, there's people out there screaming, well, maybe there's something in there. We didn't see the full report. At the end of the day, though, Mueller did not arrest Donald Trump. He didn't file any charges against Donald Trump. So the big, giant weight of this, the bulk of this, was made up. And what I didn't hear in social media, what I didn't hear in the mainstream media is, well, who made this up? Who spun this story? And may addresses this in the article. But we don't hear that part addressed. For people that are... Oh, I hate getting political, man. I, I I really hate playing the blame game for your ideologies. But if you backed this narrative and the people who pushed that narrative, I'm going to ask you to question their morals and their true agenda because they have been deceptive. Isn't not that, isn't that a wonderful thing, being deceived? Don't you just love... When people spin those stories. But that's what our media is doing. And right after the election, both sides were saying, That's it. I'm fed up. I'm done. I don't trust the media. But then a story came along that fit people who didn't like Donald Trump's narrative and opinions, and everybody jumped on that bandwagon, and you got sucked back in. You can't get sucked in. And it's tough. I just admit in the beginning of the show, I think I got sucked into something, but. We have to take that step back and reflect. And if, and this is a paradigm shift for some of us, and paradigm shifts are extremely difficult because the first thing we have to do with a paradigm shift is admit that we played a role in something that was incorrect or something that was false or something that was done wrong. And it may be simply, I believed the wrong thing, I backed the wrong person. Um, but when our values and beliefs are tied into that, Are you going to let cognitive dissonance win and create another rationalization for you back in the wrong horse? Or are you going to take the opportunity for growth and say, yep, I messed up, but now I'm one step closer to the truth and I learned from it. I'm never going to just trust based on these principles again. I need to do X, Y, Z next time going forward. All right. Uh, And I mean no disrespect to anybody. I sincerely mean that, you know, but... We need to keep our, our our minds open to these stories that are coming out. All right, here's an interesting story here. This is f- through The Independent. <clears throat> here's the heading. The U.S. military wants to use sea creatures as underwater spies to monitor enemy activity. Let me read that again. The U.S. military wants to use sea creatures as underwater spies to monitor enemy activity. If we can tap into the innate sensing capabilities of living, living organisms that are ubiquitous in the oceans, we can extend our ability to take... To track adversity. I'm sorry, adversary activity. All right, fascinating article. Make no mistake about it, my friends. Number one, this is probably already happening. It's not going to stop with sea life. We already saw years ago uh, the the military industrial complex developing drones that look like birds and they're getting smaller insect sized drones and collection devices not to mention the internet of things that's collecting intelligence against you um they if they don't already they will know everything about everyone that there is to know i can't even guarantee that your own thoughts are safe anymore uh that's that's where i'm at right now uh sounds crazy right but start start doing the homework let me read a little bit more of this The U.S. military is turning to fish and other sea life to help them monitor the activity of their enemies in the oceans. Marine creatures are well adapted to their environment, and scientists want to employ their sensory abilities to pick up signals that might be missed by conventional technology. This can mean anything from monitoring fluctuations in schools of sea bass to microbes responding to magnetic signatures emitted by submarines. The Persistent Aquatic Living Sensors, PALS program, will make us will make use of this information to transform sea creatures into self-sustaining populations of underwater spies. The U.S. Navy's current approach to detecting and monitoring underwater vehicles is hardware-centric and resource-intensive, said Program Manager Dr. Lori Adornado as the initiative was launched last year. As a result, the capability is mostly used at the tactical level to protect high-value assets like aircraft carriers and less so at the broader strategic level. If we could tap into the innate sensing capabilities of living organisms that are ubiquitous to the oceans, we can extend our ability to trap adversary activity and do so directly on a persistent basis and with enough precision to characterize the size and type of adversary vehicles. total of $45 million has now been distributed to five research teams, each of which is working on a particular organism and developing technologies to monitor them and beam information back to the scientists. One team is analyzing the booms made by territorial fish known as goliath groupers, which they think could provide information about approaching drones or submarines. Okay, so I don't know how they're. Uh, I'll say sh- I'll share this article so you can read the rest of it, and I, I highly encourage you to look into this PAL system. Uh, but they're they're using nature now as a means of collecting intelligence against the environment and adversaries, quote-unquote. Well, who's the adversary in the sea? Okay, I'll give it to you. But I'm telling you, this is coming to the land as well, Well, if this works. But here's the thing, and here's the bigger picture that we can't lose sight of. Um, You know, I just love talking about this stuff. When When you're looking at this technology as it's coming online, This is a replication of things that are already in existence. Things that exist in, I'll say, quote, nature, but I'll say, in quote, the matrix that we live in. I'm I'm more and more convinced that's what's going on. We're in some kind of crazy simulation. All right, so look at the research of Cleve Baxter. Cleve Baxter was an FBI polygraph technician, uh, and back in the 60s or 70s, he decided to hook his plant up to a polygraph machine. Uh, I've talked about this before on the show, and what he found was he says, all right, I'm gonna hook this plant up, and I'm gonna set the plant on fire, and I'm gonna see if the plant measures a reaction to the polygraph machine. This guy this guy was an expert. He developed uh, polygraph techniques, to polygraph equipment, everything. I mean, he was a very smart guy. So he hooks the plant up to it, and he walks over to his desk drawer, opens up the the drawer and pulls out a lighter. As he pulls out the lighter, the needles start going crazy on the polygraph machine. Now, this experiment has been repeated countless, countless times. He's got a published journal about it, too, which he calls Primary Perception. What happened was that the plant was able to read the emotional intention of the scientist and it monitored a response, I'd say, of fear. And this has been replicated in a, in a lot of different ways. I go into extensive detail on this in, uh, in my book, Food for the Archons. But the plant registered fear. The, cl- the plant, the jump that I'm making right now, it's not a jump because it works in my head at least, but it sounds on the show like a jump. Plants are already gathering this data. Plants are able to monitor the emotional frequencies of a given area. And my thoughts on that were, well, if something more sophisticated and advanced, something that's running this farm uh, is aware of that, then it could use the plants as a natural monitor to the emotional frequency of a given area. That I believe is what they're looking to do with this technology here. So that little simple independent article, I think runs a lot deeper. Um, They're they're collecting everything on us, man. And, And again, I think plants, are uh, an end result that that ability that plants have are an end result of it's like we're seeing the rebirth of the same tech does that make sense we're seeing it again and eventually we're not going to be able to distinguish technology from biology that that's just where we're, where it's going all right i've harped on that one enough let's get a little bit scarier Here we go. Satellite photos show Chinese anti-satellite laser base. I want sharks with freaking laser beams. That's my Dr. Evil. Images also reveal work on EMP and electronic warfare weaponry. This is from... where are we at here? Freebeacon.com Commercial satellite images have provided the first photographs of a secret Chinese anti-satellite laser base in western uh, Xinjiang province along with other high-technology weapons facilities. The facility is located near a lake and is about 145 miles south of Urumqi, the capital of Z- Ziyang. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, sorry. The facility was discovered by retired Indian armor colonel Vinyak Biat, a satellite imagery analyst who specialized on, on China. China is using its satellite tracking stations located throughout the country as a means of identifying and targeting satellites. Once the accurate satellite path and other data is known, directed energy weapons located at five different places can take over the task, Bat said. The Xinyang base is one of those laser bases that included four main buildings with sliding roofs that Bat assessed to contain high-powered chemical lasers powered by uh niidium neodymium. I don't know. Bat estimates that the smaller shed with the sliding roof is a laser tracker. Taken together, the Chinese can fire one to three of the lasers against an orbiting satellite that China is seeking to disrupt. The Defense Intelligence Agency stated in a report made public in February that China is set to deploy a ground-based laser cannon next year. The report said Beijing possibly already has a limited capability to employ laser systems against satellite sensors. All right, so here's what's, here's what's scary. They're pushing for the Space Force. This is a part of that. What they're saying is they want technology to attack our satellites, but we're also moving more to a a, a digitally dependent society, a satellite dependent society to help with our instantaneous uh, Wi-Fi communications. So you've got these satellites going up all around the planet, unless it's a flat planet, then all above the planet. And now we're going to be able to target them. Well, what happens when... Our communication satellites go out because we're engaged in the next major world war. I I think this is something that we need to prepare for um, and be ready to deal with, you know, basic stuff. If the cell satellites go down for cell phone communication and the Internet goes down, how are you going to communicate with your family? Keep in mind, sometimes communications go down as step one to an attack. And I'm not trying to plant that seed there, but that's something you need to think about. If cell communications go down, what is your plan to get in touch with people? If they they cannot access the Internet and they cannot access or use their cell phones, what are you going to do? If your area is in danger, do you have a third-party location where you can get to or somebody who you can use a landline to call and get in touch with? Things that we need to think about. All right, here we go. Back to Russia. Now, this makes no sense to me me whatsoever. This is from thedrive.com by Tyler Rodgeway. Uh, It's called, The Russians Just Did a Flyby of Area 51. This is really weird. The Russians are operating their TU-154M aircraft configured for surveillance flights sanctioned under the Open Skies Treaty that allows member countries to conduct surveillance flights over each other's territory relatively unimpeded. The aircraft are equipped with imaging equipment with specific limitations and monitors from the country being surveilled, uh, are on board the flights to, certain, uh, to make certain the party complies with the parameters of the treaty. This latest series of Russian op- Open Skies flights are being conducted out of Great Falls, Montana, and are covering a slew of strategic points in the western part of the United States, including the highly secure Nellis test training range in southern Nevada, home of Area 51. You need to read this article. And somebody better-versed than me maybe can get the whole backstory on this because I'm just reading one article from it. Um, but it, apparently this is some mutual, mutually agreed upon surveillance program between the U.S. and Russia. We've already done our flybys in February. I think at one point the U.S. was complaining that we didn't have uh, equal treatment, um, we weren't being allowed the same access, and there's some concerns that Russia is using more sophisticated technology than they should be. but why would we do that why would the united states and russia say all right we're going to fly over your bases you're going to fly over our bases is that to make sure that nobody's doing anything is that to build trust is that are we secretly really just working together i mean they're flying out of out of montana russian spy planes are flying out of montana to look at our most secret bases well, our most known secret bases does that make any sense? What is going on? Reality is not what it seems, my friends. And uh, the the boundaries drawn on a map, I don't think, are really what we say they are. Um, read that. Let me know what you think. Speaking of it, not everything being what it seems, <clears throat> this one surprised me. This is from Vox, but it's, uh, or is it pronounced voice? I don't know, V-O-X. <sighs> This this one really caught me off guard. Um, <clears throat> it's about Sandy Hook. I have not looked into the Sandy Hook massacre. I know there's a lot of stories out there that it's a false flag. Um, I honestly, I don't know enough to argue either way. I only know what I saw in the mainstream and a couple conspiracy theory videos. Um, but Alex Jones is the king of the false flags, and putting that information out there. I think he can be a dangerous man sometimes. It doesn't mean he's not correct with some of the stuff he puts out, but uh, tell me how you feel after listening to this. Alex Jones blames, quote, psychosis for his Sandy Hook conspiracies. Now admits the shooting massacre was not a hoax. Notorious conspiracy theorist Alex Jones claims a form of psychosis caused him to believe that the Sandy Hook massacre was staged. For years the founder of infowars.com peddled a conspiracy theory about the shooting at sandy hook elementary school where a gunman brutally killed 20 children and six adults in 2012. jones has repeatedly claimed the massacre was a giant hoax carried out by crisis actors in a broad scheme to trample the second amendment rights in a video released friday jones acknowledged in a sworn deposition stemming from a lawsuit filed by the families of sandy hook victims that the school shooting was in fact real Jones blamed the trauma of the media and the corporations lying so much for triggering his extreme distrust in news and information. Now, I think that's an interesting statement here. I mean, he's still firing a shot saying, I can't trust the media, so therefore I, I don't trust anything. Um, but he says, and I myself has ha- have, have almost had like a form of psychosis back in the past where I basically thought everything was staged, even though I've now learned a lot of times things aren't staged, he said. So I think as a pundit, someone giving an opinion that, you know, my opinions have been wrong, but they were never wrong consciously to hurt people. The lawsuit, which was filed in Texas where InfoWars is based, is just one of multiple defamation suits filed against Jones. The plaintiffs of the case include Leonard Posner and uh, De La Rosa, um, Veron- Veronica De La Rosa, who say that as a result of Jones' claims, their family was harassed and forced to move. Jones has previously implied that De La Rosa was paid to pretend she was grieving her six-year-old son's death. Six other families of Sandy Hook victims uh, filed suit against Jones in Connecticut in April. Okay. This is why I haven't touched the Sandy Hook thing. It's easy when you don't know the people, the victims, the alleged victims, whatever your belief system is on on this situation here. But it's easy when you don't know the people involved to say things that would be extremely hurtful. As a parent, I can't imagine going through something like that. I'm not willing to say something hurtful to the parent of a victim of that massacre. In the event that the information I have is incorrect, I have keep on I have not studied this so uh, what's that stating lack of evidence is not evidence of uh, I forget how it goes but you know what I'm talking about I just haven't studied it Uh, so I'm keeping my mouth shut about it because I don't I don't know how I feel but we need to be careful when we make these claims and these statements not every terrorist attack is a false flag Sometimes, But I, I think what may be happening is not every terrorist attack is what it seems to be on the surface. Sometimes the actual attackers may not even understand the reasons why they're doing the attack because they're being handled, they're being organized, they're being run. They're being manipulated to perform certain terrible acts. Uh, as far as staging a shooting like that, again, man, you, you got to be careful if you're making those claims because what if, what if you're wrong? And those parents now who have buried their children now have to deal with the barrage of you make the whole you made the whole thing up. That's got to be pure hell. that has got to be pure hell. And what are you doing? You're creating enemies. You're creating people who, in some cases, if they've lost their children, may have nothing left to live for. And that's a very dangerous combination. Instead of an opening your arms and embracing them and helping them through it, you are now creating somebody who's ripe for recruitment for a, for a terrorist organization to do something horrible that's something we need to be mindful of in our search for truth in our search for knowledge and information and answers when we're when we're putting stuff out there as frustrated as we may be as scared as we may be you catch more flies more flies with honey than you do with vinegar and and why Why go out of your way to make enemies? It's just something to be mindful of. So I don't know. I mean, they really, it's no secret that the establishment has gone after Alex Jones. I don't agree with the way that they cut his funding and took him down. I also don't agree with a lot of the methods that Jones has used in the past to spread fear and anxiety to sell his products and his brand. That's my opinion. It's my show. I can say whatever I want. All right. Uh, I'm going to stop it there. And I need to talk about um, what's coming out of Suspicious Observers and the uh, what they're calling the Earth Catastrophe Cycle. I've come into some information that stirs up information I've already had. And that information is concerning our immediate future over the next upcoming years. Um, I'm hearing more and more in a variety of different circles that the earth is changing and it's going to impact us in a major way. And it's hard not to be afraid when you hear something like that and i'm trying to come at this from a perspective of as ben davidson does of suspicious observers be prepared and you don't and you can handle this he seems to believe this is survivable i seem to believe this is survivable i guess what's scary is the unknown because and and here's what also bothers me before i get into some of his data what also bothers me is, and I, I know I did a show on this a little bit ago. I've, I've talked about, on this exact threat. I get, I get data from, I, I consider psychic sources valuable sources of data when conducting my analysis. They're not my only source of data. Um, I, I work with, I do work with remote viewers, Um, but I I also do research and analysis, and I look at history, and I look at the news. Even though it's the mainstream, I don't trust it. I still look at it because it doesn't mean everything they say is a lie. Uh, And I read books and I listen to podcasts. So I have a a, a whole source, an all-source mindset, and I don't discount psychic data. Because if psychic data can corroborate hard data, then I think we've got something here now what concerns me about psychic data is that going back edgar casey they called him the sleeping prophet made a lot of accurate predictions assessments um he was also big on earth changes he was calling for major changes to the world catastrophic events that he was seeing Um, gordon scanlon i think i talked about him a few months ago last name scanlon i think the first name was gordon he had an Earth Changes map that was big. Uh, he was big in the 90s, and this was, I, he was calling for it in the year 2000. He's got a fascinating story. He was a credible guy at the time. Those changes hadn't happened. And then we have Robert Monroe, when they were doing a lot of their channeling work, when they were first realizing they're connecting with other intelligences out there. They were getting Earth Changes uh, information. And then, and I know I've covered this, but, and then people that report alien abductions were also shown scenes of earth changes. Now, this is where it gets complicated in my head, but this is why I think it's important when you're looking for information to be open to all possibilities and to explore We need to have a broad range of knowledge, but more importantly, we need to have a team of people who are experts in different fields so they can better explain things to us. Because we can look at just earth change psychic data, and you'd have to understand a little bit about how psychic data is received and how it works and how you can evaluate it. And then you need to know a little bit about the climate and you need to look at the history of climate. And in order to understand that, then maybe you branch out and you start looking at as Ben did a little bit here, uh, looking at not just the geological records supporting climate data, but what are the claims and accounts and stories and testimonies coming from people throughout history about different climate events, especially when you get into the ancient past. You look at the ancient texts and the creation stories and, and the stories of Noah's flood and things of that nature. So all these different areas can all help paint a picture and give evidence to yep these people talked about it you know 12,000, six thousand years ago uh, the, the the geological record supports something happened the same at the same time frame uh, you know the stars rotate at this point puts the planets in this alignment which would support some kind of change at that you know goes on and on and on different things to support what we're seeing what we're learning. So you have all this psychic data talking about earth changes. Now, the re- I'm, I'm being long-winded here. I'm sorry. Here's my fear. And I, this is, I think, what I've been struggling with a lot lately is that I'm seeing information that I think is credible that we need to be prepared for some significant changes in our immediate future. That's the information I'm seeing right now. I also worry... That by putting my focus on that, I am thereby helping to drive the program of creation if we are that powerful. And I've talked a lot about that, us being conscious creators, Hollywood being used to drive our consciousness and our thought and and our own manipulation of reality. So by me focusing on this, am I now choosing to step into reality where that is going to happen? Well, what's the alternative? This is where fear gets you. Well, I'm going to ignore it. Well, if I ignore it, are things still going to happen? Yeah, unless this is all one. This is how messed up my head is. Unless this is all one giant virtual reality that exists just for me. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. And I've talked about it. It doesn't mean you don't exist, but you have your own reality. And sometimes our two realities converge and maybe we have a, a shared-upon reality or a, a consensus reality, or sometimes you may enter my reality, or maybe I enter your reality, but ult- but then you leave my reality, and what's left is an avatar of you with your download, with your program, but you're now running in my operating system. I don't know. It sounds crazy, right? It sounds crazy. We'll come back to that in a minute, though. So <clears throat> these are the things that are literally consuming my mind. Like, I, I'm losing sleep over it. Because I'm trying to figure out which direction to move. And uh, and then I started thinking last night, I, I, I started watching season two of The OA. And if you haven't watched it, you need to go watch it. If you've listened to my show, The, the OA is going to make a lot of sense to you. It, it's it's amazing. I remember thinking it was a little slow in the first one I saw. But as I watched it, I got more and more sucked in. And I was actually in tears on the last episode. And I feel like the writers are taking information out of my head and putting it on the show. And it got me thinking about a couple things going on. Um, Is there another form of manipulation going on? Because the fact that that show calculates a lot of what I've been talking about. I then have to question, am I being manipulated? Am I being misled or led to to draw certain conclusions, much like people are led to believe in a particular religion, a particular faith, a particular racial belief system uh, or racist belief system? Um, How much of your thoughts are your own? We really don't know because there's so many external influences. My point is, I saw the matrix and that changed my worldview. It changed my worldview so much because it spoke to feelings I already had inside of me. So I went from believing that, you know, we're physical beings, we have a soul, and we go to either heaven or hell, uh, and God's up in the sky and the devil's down below, to now feeling that there is a simulated reality that we live in and we are one of billions or infinite simulations. Sometimes those simulations are contained within a simulation, within a simulation, within a simulation, and sometimes they branch out parallelly, like in a parallel universe. Infinite in all directions, up, down, all around. How, that, how does that shift happen? Well, I followed, the, I followed the breadcrumbs. I went down the rabbit hole, as, as a lot of you did. But if we're following breadcrumbs, who's leaving them? If we're following our intuition, where is that coming from? And now we're seeing TV shows about it, so it makes me first think, okay, I'm not alone in what I'm thinking, so I can't be crazy. But am I being manipulated to manifest something or to believe something so I can be a part of something for somebody else's nefarious agenda? I don't believe that things are just being put out there just because somebody wants to alert us to the truth. Because in my mind, in my opinion, those mainstream media outlets are compromised. So where's it coming from? I don't know. And that ties back into this climate change stuff. Am I just getting caught up in it? And should I, or is there something to it now? Before you answer that question, I, I'll have the links to this. But uh, Ben's got a playlist; it's twenty-five long right now. And uh, some of this I've covered on the show. But he did the uh, the next end of the world, the CIA classified document. That's where he talked about the Adam and Eve story that um, was classified back. I want to say in the '60s. He has all the names of all the big players. I, I've lost. I don't. I don't have them memorized. Um, but he, and he's got a ton of links that you can go and do your own research and back this up. But here's how it started. He said, you know, there was this book that was classified. Why was it classified? And then he's reading the descriptions of what they're talking about when it comes to earth changes. And he's going, well, based on my science, this sounds possible. And the CIA classified it, and parts of it are still classified. So it makes you wonder, why did they classify that book? And then why did they suddenly just declassify some of it? So then he goes into the earth catastrophe cycle. Uh, and and, and <clears throat> what's interesting is he starts, and he goes. this is ongoing, but he talks about the ancient cultures, stories of earth changes, of cataclysms. Um, and it's fascinating to listen to all these stories and how similar they are, whether it's talking about shifts in the, the color of the sun or the blacking out of the sky or things raining down. He has found, as many of us have, But there are consistencies among these ancient texts, and that's worth paying attention to. He goes into some money, $21 trillion, that has been misdirected or missing, some of it through the uh, HUD, Housing and Urban Development. We don't know where it went. And and he does a good description of that in his second video, um, making the case for, are they preparing some kind of secret underground housing for people? Um, And then the big thing that he talks about here What's very interesting is the micro-nova. He says, we all think of a supernova as when the sun explodes. He says, but there actually is, and it's done. And it wipes out everything around it. He says, but now science has proven that there is things called micro-novas where the sun doesn't explode completely. It just ejects a massive amount of energy and almost it has like a shell that's around it. I forget what the shell is made out of. Um, but some kind of star metal. And and when it does a micronova, this shell just expands outward, 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 and obviously impacts the planets. So, okay, that's an interesting theory. And what he goes into, and he, he shares um, some great research, some testimony from other scientists who have studied this. Um, it, it's It's fascinating stuff. And he shows that well, when they went to the moon, he believes they were looking for something. Dennis, they never went to the moon. Okay, I know that theory is out there, too. I, I don't know enough to talk about it. But um, he he said, and he played some audio clips of them saying, picking up and looking at glass. We found some glass here. I don't know if this is what we're looking for, but it sure does look like it. And Ben said, well, what were they looking for? They were there to look for something specific. And he said that after the apollo missions everybody seemed scared every because they didn't have an understanding of exactly what they were dealing with but they started gathering more information preparing for this but what he saw was that from this shell that's ejected and the and the radiation that comes out i guess would cause certain reactions on the on the surfaces of planets and moons and i guess this glass they found there was evidence of that debris from the Sun and and he said that there's evidence on the planet Earth of that debris from the Sun now he doesn't know necessarily what triggers this is it electromagnetic or could it be from a celestial body that passes through and he and he tipped his hat to Graham Hancock and his research because Hancock talks about the major earth change now Hancock thinks that there's a comet a giant comet on a 12,000 year orbit And every time it comes through it wreaks all sorts of havoc which is similar to what zechariah sitchin said regarding nibiru coming through uh and wreaking all sorts of havoc on the planet as well um so what ben said was that well maybe it's not exactly as hancock said it and he and he presented it in a way that hancock's theory still works it just tweaks it a little bit. Maybe this object goes past the sun and triggers the micronova, which then cr- triggers the, the outburst and the changes on the planet. Maybe that, that has something to do. So, Ben, you need to watch this stuff. I'm, I'm giving you a very bad summary of it, but it's, it's important to listen to. Um, and then he goes into the, the pole shift and how evidence is mounting. It's already started happening. Our we can measure our poles are moving further and further apart, and they're moving apart faster and faster and faster. And what he's what he's seeing, it, or he acknowledged, was that every five years, I guess, uh, the governments of the world—I forget what it's called—but they recalibrate their machinery to compensate for the shifts in the poles. Because the poles are always moving. It doesn't mean the poles are going to shift. They're always moving. He said, but this, this cycle, they have moved so fast and so far that the equipment was no longer accurate that they had to readjust them two years early. That was last year in 2018. Two years early they had to readjust this equipment. So it's speeding up. And Ben goes in to talk about how based on electromagnetism and you you know how important electromagnetism is if you listen to the show and he explains how the movie 2012 as crazy as it is that type of crustal displacement is possible now when that movie came out people were adamant that's impossible that can never happen when i hear a guy like ben davidson talk about this i'm captivated it's possible and, as he, and he, he suspects that maybe as these poles are shifting and then somehow the micronova gets triggered. He also made reference to the sun as a clock. And, and I, I want to come back to that. I want to listen to what he said a little bit more on that. It's a cycle. It makes me wonder if this is in fact is a cycle and it happens like clockwork. If you believe in intelligent design, then... Are we just living in one giant machine? And the scene that keeps coming to mind was from the second Hunger Games movie, where the game was just a giant clock, and every time it moved into a different spot, I mean, I think they were trying to tell us something there. Every time it moved to a different location, a different hardship was bestowed upon the, the, their little world that they were in. Really makes you wonder, is the sun doing the same thing? And Ben goes into ancient iconography of the sun, and the changes of it, uh, and how the iconography changed, and how parallels with different uh, with the catastrophes. Um, long and short of it is we, we may be looking at some major earth changes. Um, rises in sea level, drastic drops in temperature, and an earth shaking like we've never even been able to imagine but Ben stays calm. And I love that about him and I think it's it's uh, inspiring and positive and I'm trying to capture that within myself and hopefully pass it on to all of you because he talks about the importance of your mindset, the importance of being prepared, of knowing what to look for and he goes into detail on that in saying you can do nothing and when it happens you're you're not going to know what to do. You're going to freeze. You're going to react the wrong way. Or if you mentally prepare for this and you develop a plan, when you start seeing these indicators that, yep, this is happening, you can put your plan in place and go to your safe location. And he's leaning now more towards going underground. And he goes throughout history of uh, the, the findings now, the ancient findings of these underground, sophisticated underground caverns that we're seeing, uh, that we have uncovered. So did our ancestors know? Did they survive it? And are we the next wave that needs to survive? I, I visited a medium uh, over the past couple of months, and you know, he made mention that we chose to be here for this transition. And that sounds, to hear that, that sounds, sounds noble. I'm a warrior. I did. I chose, I chose here. I'm a hero. And then I, I worry, are we being misled? I don't know what a medium is meaning. I don't know where they're getting their information from. I worry that they're tapping into the downloaded consciousness of our loved ones who have already crossed over and are somewhere else and are just talking to the uploaded AI version of them, or there are programs that are running. I did a show on AI and demons. I keep coming back to it. I believe they're just software programs. I wonder if there's programs that are running out there where we can psychically or intuitively find a way to tap into them, and they will do what they were programmed to do is deliver us certain information for a specific reason for us to then disseminate that for Whatever purpose I don't know. I'm, dis- I'm as an analyst, I have to explore all possibilities, question things that we can't even question, that we should we wouldn't even think to question. So the big question is: Do we trust this enough to start taking significant steps to prepare for it? I'm leaning towards yes, in a big way. And I'm not going to lie. I'm scared. Um, I don't like feeling that way because I f- I feel off my game. I feel like I've lost some momentum with other things I've been doing just because this is obsessed. My thoughts have been obsessed, and I've had a hard time. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've had a hard time. You know, and then... Uh, <clears throat> there's just a lot of changes coming on top of everything I've been tracking through the show with the development of AI and that coming online. And then I beg the question, well, why now? Why, if the, if the governments and the people that rule this world know that these changes are coming, why the big push to get this AI online right now if we may be wiped back into the Stone Age? Is that an indicator and warning? It's definitely an area of conflict that needs to be clarified if it can be clarified. I'm seeing two different data sets. One is us being pushed into this enslavement AI dystopian future. And one is us being pushed back into the Stone Age because we're getting hit with this major ca- catastrophe. Could it be both? Could the catastrophe call the population as has been done before? And and um, somebody was just talking about, it. I think it was Ben talking about this again how they can trace our ancestors back to a very small number of women. Between 20 and 2,000, I think, is what he said. And you can look that up. There is a thinning, a major thinning of the herd. So is this what we're looking at here? And then for the survivors, this tech will be in place? I I don't know. Right now it's very muddy for me. But I'm asking for your input. Uh, I'm asking for some resources, your ideas, because I'm I'm feeling pretty lost. And uh, I'm having a tough time with it. See if I was someone else, that'd be a great point for a sales pitch, wouldn't it? Buy my product. Unfortunately, I have no product to sell you right now. I wish that's all that this was, was a giant sales pitch to convince you to buy something from me, but it's not. Uh, I'm just asking for some information. So, all right, my friends. I had to call it quits. I uh, I got a lot to do today. Um, I'm going to try to get back here as, as, you know, frequently as I used to. It's just been, it's been hard. So I I thank you for your patience. I thank you for continuing to tune in. Um, Here is my sales pitch. It will support the show if you check out our store and purchase one of our T-shirts like the commercial in the beginning of the show. That does go to help keep this operation running. Please support Ray Davis through his book, Anunnaki Awakening, and check out his affirmations at the affirmation spot. The links are at And I invite you to read my free ebook, I Am Human and We're Not Who We Think We Are. That's at sixcentsmedia.net slash I Am Human. You'll get access to the free secret newsletter that comes out usually every week directly to your inbox usually on Sundays and I think that that mindset in that book that foundation is a, is a good starting point and I think it's necessary here's my fear pitch <laughs> if these if these changes are coming about that knowledge that thought process in that book will give you a good foundation for whatever your purpose may be moving forward we need to understand exactly who we are and how we're being manipulated so that history does not repeat itself again. Let this be the last stop. And I think we can uh, we can learn to thrive. And who knows, maybe we can end up making this something wonderful. I do believe in that. All right, friends, I'm out of time. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast where... Small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep open minds. Thank you.